Welcome in. It is the Fezzik Focus podcast here on RJ Bell's Dream Preview Network. I am AJ Hoffman. He is the man whom this podcast is named after, Mr. Steve Fezzik, the only two-time Super Contest champion. Hello, Steve. Happy Easter, friends. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. Happy Easter, indeed. Uh, let's start the pod the way we normally do with a Fez tale. Let's, um, how about we talk a little dining in Las Vegas? Easter's can a good time to have a nice meal. Can we do that day and talk about, like, when you come to Vegas, where you should go and where you shouldn't go? And, you know, this is my number one regret. When I used to, no, I have other regrets. But when I used to come to Vegas and I was, like, so busy and I, like, wouldn't see any shows because I was always working, uh-huh. betting sports and then get it. It wouldn't be unusual. I'd fly in on a Friday afternoon and I'd fly out on a Saturday night. But I wish I had just been able to, or, or late Saturday afternoon, actually, after I got in my bets for the weekend. But I really wish when I was in Vegas for an extended, like, three days that I had at least seen one show and, and had at least one real, you know, nice meal. And so I would recommend to everybody when they do come to Vegas, line up at least one really good meal to go to, and I'll give you some recommendations. I, one, of the, one of the places that I wanted to go to, and I've, I've never made time to go, but I feel like it's like a, uh, it's a rite of passage when you're in Vegas. I've, I've never been to the Golden Steer. Is it, uh, is, it, is, it wor- is it a tourist trap? Tell me about the Golden Steer. I've actually never been well, there either. Neither, huh? It's right on Sahara by the old Spearmint Rhino. And the I, some people rave about it, old school. It's but it, frankly, it's like it's it's not in the best part of town. And I just like uh, there wouldn't be any view. I'm a big believer that you want to try, you want to have some kind of neat view when you're at a restaurant or or really neat ambiance. And maybe they have a really good ambiance, but the bottom line is, you know, it's just in a industrial part of like by Sahara there. There's nothing special about that location. What is your what's your go-to steakhouse in the city? If you're downtown, I think there's several good choices. Um, Hugo Cellar is cool, old school in the Four Queens in the basement. That's thus they call it Hugo Cellar. Um, Andiamo's at the D is actually a great steakhouse. So no one I know has ever had a bad meal there. Um, if you want to view downtown Oscars, which is in the Union Plaza, now these are all dumps downtown. So mind you, it's not the great ambience getting in and out, but um, you know that's certainly a good call. If you just want to view the Eiffel Tower's extremely romantic restaurant um, at Paris, where you can look mm-hmm. out at the fountains, but but the food's just you know, um, it's it's okay. It's nothing special. I would recommend like. Um, the, the the Circus Circus Steakhouse, again, kind of a dumpy casino, but they do a really nice job, and you're within a budget. Um, but as far as across the board, if you want everything, you know what? Giada's and the Cromwell is a really good choice because they have a wonderful steak. They have wonderful appetizers so with the dates, with the— um, the, um, the flatbread, something for everyone, and they've and it overlooks the, the across the street the Bellagios, the fountains. So you don't get quite as good a view as the Eiffel Tower, but the food's better. The ambiance is great. So Giada's, um, and I hear Dre's night nightclub beach club is really good there as well. Got to get a reservation at that Giada's. That's that's a tough reservation. That, the, the, well, during the weekday, it's yeah, it's 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 easy. But you're right that the, you know one thing they do that's good is that that they make it's an upcharge of twenty five dollars to get a view of the strip there. Mm-hmm. So those usually don't sell out because of that upcharge. People ah. don't want to do that. So go ahead and 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 pay the twenty five dollars. 
you and I have spoken ad nauseum about Caesars and, and how good Nobu is. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I just love Nobu. I love the beef wagyu tacos. I love the yellowtail appetizer. I love the, the, the spinach salad. I mean, they, they do everything right. Everything's perfect. Every, everything is great there. And um, you know what? Hell's Kitchen. I am a big I've become a big fan of Hell's Kitchen because the menu is very limited but everything's great there if, whether you get and and you've got you know a nice view of the fountains of Caesars whether you get the beef wellington whether you get the the, the short rib whether you get the scallops you get the um uh the shrimp cocktail the um oh the the, the lobster uh risottos and, oh yeah I mean it, it's so so you know all these are great choices and just the whole experience of Hell's Kitchen, that's a tough ticket also. It, I would absolutely recommend that one as well. I'll, uh, I'll tell you a place. I don't know if you've been there. I learned about this place from McKinsey. When I first when I first moved here, I was looking for a good cocktail bar to take my wife to. Mm-hmm. And he told me herbs and rye. Uh, and every, everyone raves about that. It's off strip. And yes. It, but the, and the drink menu is awesome. But the steaks, oh, boy. Uh, it is uh, It's half price. Yeah. All, the, the happy hour. It's all day long. And it's half price steaks. You cannot beat this place. Uh, again, that's another place. My reservations buddy, long in advance. My my buddy uh, Chris Papa. Hey, um, Chris. I'm sorry. I think I owe you. Like I gotta I gotta text you because we haven't gotten together for like a year and a half. But like his boys knew my boy, um, and he's always he's a foodie, and he was always like, got got to go to um, Herbs and Rye. We got to go there. We haven't gone there yet. It's a yep. good spot. You won't you won't be disappointed. All right, let's jump into the meat. Of this show. Uh, you see what I did? Uh, you, guys, you guys saw that? Come on. And they say you're not funny. Come on. Right? L- little dad joke. By the uh, way, if you're on a budget, go to Ellis Island. You can still. I still haven't been to Ellis Island. Ellis Island, you, 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 you can get a good steak special. Get the coupon $9.99 with the, um, with the coupon. Or you can go to the South Point has really good specials. And you get steak and eggs for $6.95. It's quite good after midnight. Or just get the porterhouse for $16.95. Um, and they'll probably let you bet also. So that's yeah. cool. <laughs> Not you, but they'll let me bet. All right. Let's take a look at what happened in week seven. And some strange results, I guess, would be the way to put it. Um, the one result that was, I guess, as expected, Seattle took care of business against Crumbum Arlington. Uh, no, no, no shock there. Las Vegas on the road. I don't think anybody thinks Las Vegas is good. They looked really good against San Antonio. They blow San Antonio out. Do you think Las Vegas has found something, or is this was that just more of a San Antonio is is continuing to fade? Uh, San Antonio is continuing to fade. That was that was actually in Vegas, right? That game. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yes, it was. I'm sorry. And b- b- bottom line is, uh, Vegas is better than Arlington and San Antonio. San Antonio is atrocious. So the Brahmas, every week they lose another um, position player. Um, they have no quarterback, and their line is just decimated. So they are they are in. Uh, I've got down under quarterback, I say three guys. <laughs> That's what I'm writing for the Brahma. So Heinz Ward is really up against it. They stole a game with a phony win against Arlington. So San Antonio is clear-cut worst team in the XFL. Clear-cut. Not, Man, even, not I, even close. And I remember after week one, I was like, oh, maybe I think they're pretty good. And they, they've well, their, line, some... their, their line has gotten decimated with injuries. Yeah, they've been through yep. some real bad injuries. Uh, so that Vegas, I, we're not upgrading Vegas on this then? Uh, we upgrade Vegas for winning by 14, you know, but the uh, the problem Vegas has is they've got an incentive problem now because they're unfortunately in the north. So they've been eliminated from playoff contention 
And uh, there's three good teams in the North. So uh, Woodson's um, team is just really up against it. They seem to get a little bit of a bump when they let their quarterback go, Lopez. So Lopez, you know, um, exited for greener pastures, if you will. And because of that, um, the backup for Vegas looked good, though. So I guess I guess they they knew their backup you know was every bit as good. We'll work up to the big surprise of Week Seven, but uh, secondary to that was the St. Louis BattleHawks going to Houston and just putting a thumping on the Roughnecks. The Roughnecks now have lost two straight. Uh, is this a Roughnecks issue, or is it just they maybe just played the two best teams in the league? It's a Roughnecks issue. So the so what happened, and I do have the Roughnecks to win it all, and the mm-hmm. and the handicap the schedule is still. Valid. They're still going to make the playoffs. They're still going to be favored in the first round of the playoffs. The problem is, is that they lost their number one wide receiver a couple weeks ago. And so, and he's a big deal. So that's really hurting the offense. And then the quarterback was, they they had a guy Silvers that was like serviceable mm-hmm. and was like the third best statistics quarterback in the league. And they benched him. All right. They, well, they said he has an injury, but I think they benched him. And so they now Cole McDonald's the quarterback and he's playing. He played okay. And now I've got, regardless of who the quarterback's going to be, they're, with, they're without a top tier wide receiver now. So the, the pressure is going to be on the running game and on the defense. So I'm not nearly as high on Houston as I was two weeks ago. They were second in your power ratings two weeks ago. Where are they, where are they sitting now? They are sitting third but But a distant third yeah dc and seattle are significantly field goal better than them well and st louis has got to be at least close st louis is right there yeah with st louis because st louis smashes them at at their building exactly now let's talk about those dc defenders who looked like they were clearly on top of the world on top of the xfl world and they go down to orlando to presumably just stomp a hole in the worst team in the league and somehow Orlando wins 37-36. Explain to me what happened here. How how can the worst team beat the best team at this point in the season? Because Orlando's not the worst team. They have the worst record. So Orlando has this kid Dormandy, Normandy, not Dormandy. That he's he's he, he's the guy if you recall allegedly gave his playbook yes. to the other team and got kicked out of the league and got deleted from his files and his stats got deleted from the team's website. <laughs> Well, he's made one of the, like Phoenix rising from the ashes, he has made one of the great recoveries of all time because he is just spinning the ball. He is winging it all over the field, and Orlando's defense is terrible, but the offense is absolutely clicking. they got a really good tight end, so they're going to get involved in shootouts. And I actually have Orlando right there with Arlington to be the sixth-best team in the XFL, much better than San Antonio right now. Okay, now let's move to Week Eight games, and we'll go through some. We'll go through the lines. Las Vegas, a seven and a half point road dog at St. Louis. I know St. Louis has a great home field advantage. Uh, you have a lean on that on that number. Lean to Vegas. Made the game six. Um, you know, dream crusher. Vegas can't you know make the playoffs anymore. But hey, they get a thousand dollars. The players do if they can win a game. And um, you know, one thing. If you like good stories, it's really nice to see A.J. McCarron and his two boys coming out and hugging him, you know, after he has a win. Like, they're like, play good today, Daddy. And you did. Good. Good job. You know, they're like eight and five. So, uh, but uh, seven and a half is a whole lot of points to lay in an XFL game where it seems like the back door is always wide open for teams to get that last score that are behind. We just talked about Houston and how they are are not 
clicking right now, particularly on offense. Uh, is San Antonio a get-right spot for the oh, Houston ab- laying five? Absolutely. And, and I laid four. I would lay five. Um, I didn't give it out to my clients because of the uncertainty at quarterback, and I don't know how good Cole Mc- – I think it's Cole McDonald. If I miss- By the way, if, if I'm not a player guy, so if I mispronounce a name or just get a name wrong, I know who the guy is <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the circumstances and situations, but I just, I just don't have enough data to evaluate how good he is. I can tell you this. This, this, this Brahma team is – absolutely atrocious with no offense whatsoever. They're not going to get more than 15 points. So Houston looks good laying five. Uh, all right. Now I want to get to the the next two games, which both involved that oddity last week between Orlando and DC Arlington and Orlando. It's at Orlando opened up a pick. Orlando's now minus one and a half. Is this a, a, a reaction to last week's win, or is this an overreaction to last week's win? It's the proper uh, reaction. So Arlington is overrated because Arlington in the middle of the year got to play the Brahmas back-to-back games, I think weeks four and five. Mm -hmm. So both those teams are absolutely atrocious and they split. Um, and that, and if they had played anybody else, both those teams would have been zero and two the way they played in those games. They have no offense whatsoever and Orlando can score that. I assure you, um, you know, it's really hot and muggy. I know all these teams are practicing in Texas, so maybe it's no big deal. But at least Orlando's been playing, you know, every other game now in 80, 85, 90 degrees. So that's an advantage to Orlando, you know, just being used to it on game day conditions. I think Orlando will win. I did bet Orlando. Um, I bet him plus three. I bet him plus two. I bet him pick him. Then I stopped. But I, I only made Orlando minus one. All right. And then the other game, the Sea Dragons who have won five straight games. They host D.C. We were just saying a week ago, D.C., by far the best team in the league. They lose to Orlando. They opened a pick at Seattle. Now Seattle laying one and a half. Is this a proper reaction or an overreaction to D.C. losing to Orlando? It is a underreaction. The um, Seattle has one loss. It's two losses. D.C. has one. Week one, these teams played, and Seattle outplayed D.C. in D.C., and um, Danucci had, had a god-awful turnover, and that turned the tide of the game. So so D.C. got a phony win when they got outgained by 2-1. to one. So it's payback time. I bet Seattle. Seattle's the right side here. And in, what's interesting is if, if they just stop turning the ball over, Seattle's the clear-cut best team in the XFL. You might recall when Seattle was 0-2, I don't get everything right. But I was saying Seattle's the second-best yeah. team. Well, I still have them as, as the second-best team. Yes. And, and clearly not much behind uh, D.C. So there you go. There's the Week 8 rundown. Do you have a best bet, an XFL best bet for the people? Um, I'll go ahead and give out uh, a square ball play. I'll take I'll take Houston minus the five to, to okay. murder San Antonio. I don't mind that one single bit. All right, let's talk baseball. And we discussed on the Dream Preview, and we've discussed off-air kind of, kind of a lot, uh, the – the getaway day strategy, the system that you were looking at. Uh, give, give us an update on how it went. Give us an update on if there if there's anything left to look at. Yeah, so what happened is we're looking towards teams that go home for the first time. So they've been in spring training, Cactus or Grapefruit League. They've been away for seven weeks from mm-hmm. their home. Then they've been on the road, so they play a couple series, and then they return home without a day off preferably a day game, okay? So so they get home at midnight, 
they're they pick up their mail, which is I assume probably one of their associates has picked up their mail. They're uh-huh. going through their mail that's like a garbage can full, um, reacquainting themselves with their family, their friends, their loved ones, their pets, whatever. And it's got to be a big distraction. And, and basically, a lot of handicappers love betting NBA teams against NBA teams and MLB teams just in general that come home after an extended road trip. Well, there's no longer road trip than a two-month road trip. So this is the time to fade the teams. The team to fade today was Detroit because it was the they played yesterday and then well they played, um, yes they they played yesterday which was Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I can get all the days mixed. Yeah, up. today's and so, so today they had to play an early start time um, against Boston and Chris Sale. You know, watching the games and some people there'll be a debate. I'm not a big watch the game guy, but. I think watching the games is very helpful. It's just it's just not very efficient to do so. Sure. Right? And also, people that watch the games tend to, like, screw up, in my opinion. And they get so invested, and they, like, actually become a fan. Example, they want to watch the last two hours of the Masters. Who cares? The Masters is over. You're not betting. If you're not betting it anymore, just turn it off. Move on with your life. You know? Stop having fun. It's about fun. It's about winning. All right? But when you watch a game, you, you pick up on things. So I will. I felt like I learned a lot watching the Boston-Detroit game today. And here's what I learned. Chris Sale is a tomato can. Okay. He's bad. He is not a good pitcher anymore. The Boston Red Sox have bad chemistry. I think if you just bet against these Red Sox team, we got there today, and I think a big part of that was Detroit coming home. I also think Detroit at home is going to be a play-on team, even though they lost today. And here's why. So they brought out the general, I believe it was the general manager for Detroit, and he was talking about the changes that they've made. Young guy. Um, by the way, Kirk Gibson is the, um, you know, calls the Detroit game. Okay. He sounds like he's got like, I, I hope he's okay. Let me just put it that way. Okay. He's having trouble putting <laughs> together a sentence, but the, um, but the general manager, like they, they talk about in the clubhouse or like, um, that they brighten the clubhouse. They put up like big, um, um, uh, Pictures and, and mementos of, of former stars for the Tigers. They've upgraded the clubhouse food, the whole clubhouse experience for the players. They're like, player happiness is our number one concern and the like. And they're talking about the changes they made to the ballpark. They moved the fences in. Um, and they lowered the fences in some areas where they're only seven feet high. Oh. So I'm looking forward to a guy going, like, up and over, right? You know, yeah. like flipping, flipping over the fence. And so it should be um, – but I really liked the vibe that I was getting from Detroit. Now, I know the team's bad, but I think we probably were going to get a home road split where Detroit's going to be much better at home this year. There is one more series that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, after this weekend, the Toronto Blue Jays are the only team that had their first three series all on the road. Yeah. So the they will have played 10 straight games on the road. They will have a day off when they get back to Toronto. But then they play the the next uh, the next afternoon against Detroit. We're still gonna fade them. We're still gonna fade uh, ten ga- ten games after spring training feels like a long we'll take time. Take the to run be on line, the road. yeah, plus one and a half. By the way, Arizona kind of qualified today. They had their first home game and they're struggling against the Dodgers with Merrill Kelly. They didn't put up any runs, so um, they. I would much rather play an early start time than a night game, and it was the late start time today. So I didn't, you know, play the Dodgers, but I wish I had because they are styling here early yes yeah it's uh currently as we record this it's five to two in the seventh inning so not over yet but it's headed in that over direction uh so one more i guess the last thing we want to ask you about before we get out of here was there were there any takeaways for you from the ncaa tournament 
Is there anything you see as a trend that's starting to happen? The the heavy amount of overs. Did anything that happened in this tournament sway your long term decision making on tournament basketball? I think that the, the implementing the new ball made so many games go under and first halves go under that maybe that's going to hurt us going forward. That that now people are going to look. It's going to get go into all the databases. Oh, you know the unders are so good in the NCAA tournament. But uh, they got magnified with the ball change this year. So I wonder, it might not be as profitable going forward. Um, but I certainly think that the parity that we see is going to continue. Although I do, I guess bottom line is the favorites and the underdogs kind of split out. Yeah. But there were so many unders that I think, like, you know, right now you'd, you, you'd, you'd say to yourself, I got to be out of my mind to play a, um, an over in the NCAA tournament. And, and, you know, and this has been the case the last couple of years. For whatever reason, teams will foul to the bitter end in conference tourneys. In the NCAA Big Dance, oftentimes they just get demoralized, dejected. Kent gets down 14, 12 against Indiana, two and a half minutes to go. Ah, we lost. I'm telling you, you're, you know? you're Northwestern boys. They quit uh, way what, early. What was up with that? They quit way, way early. Way or they just wanted to cover the eight, you yeah, know? That, it felt very much like they wanted to cover that. Yeah, I'm it not really saying. It really did. It's like we're inside the number. Why mess around it, by trying to actually win the game, All right? I'm saying is there was enough time that almost – I've never seen a team stop fouling in an NCAA tournament when they were that close, like it, with that much time left. But it was a really early wave the white flag. The one team that didn't get the just give up memo was Missouri – that I believe was down like 22 yeah, and with two and a half minutes to play. And then there was like 50 points. Yeah, they were not going to (laughs) quit. All right, uh, guys, if you want to grab a package at pregame.com, you want to get the rest of the season in XFL for Fez, you want to get on uh, McKenzie Rivers, NBA, Scott Seidenberg's got a great hockey package going and and, uh, you can get a playoff uh, combo with his baseball, get his baseball mixed with it. Uh, there's lots of great stuff at at pregame.com. My UFC package for this weekend is up. You can get any of that stuff for 20% off just by using the promo code POINT20. That's P-O-I-N-T-2-0. Go to pregame.com, click what you want, put it in your cart. When you check out, use that promo code POINT20, and you will save 20% on anything. Fez, thank you. Uh, good to be back in the saddle on the the Fezic focus. Good to uh, to get an update on the XFL, which I am terrible at, but you seem to have mastered. Uh, so hope I, I'm I'm uh, wary of making any more plays, especially plays that match yours. Because just tell I feel me like what, I'm the mush. Tell me the play that you are going to give out that match mine, so I can bet less on it. That, yes, well, that's it what I'll do going forward. You, you know, actually, there's a lesson here because here's what happens. So let's say I give out two XFL plays, and one moves two points. And one doesn't. Well, your natural reaction is like, oh, well, Seattle's laying one and a half now, so I don't want to give that one out. So I'll give out the other one that hasn't moved. Well, guess what? The Seattle one was the better of the two plays and probably still is. Yeah. And that's why it's moved. If I give out a play and it doesn't move, and this is really true of a lot of big name um, handicappers. So if Adam Chernoff gives out a play, if Right Angle Sports gives out a play, Dr. Bob gives out a play, um, if the Hitman gives out a play, um, and then that line comes back to where it was. Well, the, unfortunately, that's probably a lemon. So don't say to yourself, oh, I can I can get a Hitman draft prop, you know, that, that he gave out at the same number he gave out. Well, guess what? Hitman's going to go eight and one on his draft props, and that's going to be the loser. Yeah. All right. Uh, Fez, appreciate the time. And again, point two zero 
at pregame.com, 20% off anything. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel with another Fezzik Focus podcast. Thanks what was to your you guys. favorite Batman episode of all time? The original TV series. Oh, boy. I don't remember any particular episodes. Like, I, I remember I watched it all the time. But I don't remember. Like it's all a big blur to me because I was a child. I don't. I don't have a. So you don't remember like when when Mister Freeze put him into the frosty freezies. No, I'll. I will say this. I hated the Riddler. I did. I didn't. Any any episode where the Riddler was the bad guy, I was already like, oh, this. The is irony is that episode. I believe the original Riddler got like a daytime Emmy award for yeah. his for his performance. I didn't he like was him. he was so spectacular. But then for what what happened is they. Had a contract dispute, and they so they had a backup Riddler for in season two. Did you know that? I, I did mean, not know that. There's more than one Riddler. I didn't know that. Yes, but the the second Riddler is kind of cooler, but and more like a normal person. The first Riddler is just certifiedly crazy, you know, and just. <laughs> yeah, I was. I, anytime the Riddler was a bad guy, I was like, oh, this is gonna be a shitty episode. I was, I was very, I was a, a Joker guy. I wanted to see more Joker. I was a Catwoman guy. Oh, when she, yeah, when, 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 when she put him like under the magnifying glass on the grill, that was like, and like it the, would get closer and closer to his, uh, his. Is that the one where, the, or no? Maybe that was a laser where the laser was about to cut him in half. And, uh, that was a different one, but the I'm talking about hot off the grid. Hot off the griddle was the hottest Batman episode of all time because okay. they had they had hot girls in that episode, um, like for as a waitress, and then they had like really good like they you know perils that Batman and Robin got into is across the board. So hot off the griddle, and they even had a guy named Jack O'Shea who was like a journalist that was on the take with Catwoman. There was a lot going on. That's an excellent episode. I always feel the big mistake those those bad guys made in that Batman series was every death trap, every time they were going to kill Batman or Robin, it's like they had to, um, we're going to put on this timer, and when the sand runs out, it's like, why don't you just skip Dude, that and just kill him? To be fair, in that episode, Hot Off the Griddle, they, like, knock Batman and Robin out, and they're on the top of the building, and Catwoman's like, go ahead and throw him over the side of the building. Which would seem to be the that'd be the move, but like, then no, the, no, 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 they did. Oh. They did. Unfortunately, the Batman and Robin had put up; they'd installed whaling nets. Oh, they knew it was coming. A floor below, just magically, and they fell into the nets, and like the the they go, what, what horrible luck! Oh. The villains did. Yeah, those villains just could never get over on old Batman and Robin. All right, for Steve Fezzik, I'm AJ Hoffman. We'll talk to you guys next week. Hey.